Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Camp the Crew. I'm Chesley White. And I'm Marina Register. How's it going today? It's good. It's a little sad today. Yeah, yeah it's today's our, a big day. It's our last episode in the studio. Yep. And we actually are going to interview each other, which yeah, super fun. Right. I mean, we've, we've asked these questions of our guests now for 15 episodes, so uh, we thought it would be a, a great way to, to end the season with... Uh, chatting with each other about our career growth and paths and and what we've learned from the show um just as kind of a wrap up um and then we also have plans for the show in the future yeah so so we're going to be in person at least for 2023 so we talk about it later in the episode but feel free uh, to tune in i think it's the week of february 20th that we'll be in person for candidly crew yeah so you want to go ahead and get started let's do it all right all right, Marina. Well, let's do this thing. Yeah. Let's let's introduce ourselves for real. That's right. We, we don't get to introduce ourselves ever. So I am Marina Register. Uh, I work for Cherry Beckert, which is a regional accounting firm, top 20. And I am a senior manager in the client accounting services practice. And you, Chesley, who are you? Very nice. Um, I'm Chesley White. I'm a principal with Shelter Architects in Greenville. Um, we are a boutique architecture firm. And I describe it as we provide services, um, really two umbrellas. One is commercial, so anything underneath that, office, medical office, retail, restaurant, et cetera. And the other umbrella is multifamily housing and development work. Nice. Um, so mostly strictly work for developers under that yeah. umbrella. Do so. you focus on one or the other, or do you do both? Great question. Yeah, I, I focus on the commercial side and the medical office side. I've got a, a big interest in that. Uh, my business partner, Kevin, focuses on the commercial side as well. And my other business partner, Tara, focuses on the housing and development stuff. Nice. So I know it's a longer story of how you got to shelter, but tell us how you got into architecture and then maybe give us some color on how you got to being principal of your own firm. Okay. Well, so I went to Georgia Tech for undergrad and I was um, an industrial engineering major because I thought I'm a tech. I have to be an engineer. Um, and a lot of my friends were industrial engineering majors and I thought that's just what I should be. Um, and so I started on that path and I was at a co-op for Atlantic Southeast Airlines at the time, which is a branch of Delta. And it was fun. I was enjoying it. Um, but they brought us a project that was to redesign a mailroom for the pilots. <laughs> and as an industrial engineering major, you're, you're all about logistics and efficiency and things like that. And so I was like, what are we What's this design project we're doing? Um, but turns out they had a big issue when the pilots were coming in. There's a whole influx of them at one time. They had a single stacked file cabinet that their mailboxes were in. And so you had like 30 people going to one file cabinet at one time. And they couldn't get their mail. It was a huge like log jam and had a lot of issues with um, being able to be efficient. So, yeah. you know, bring it to the efficiency team to, to fix the problem. So it really was a design problem though. And, and it, we looked at things like flow, um, who was in there and at what time, what was the best spatial arrangement for this? What was the space we had to put it in? And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it clicked and I was like, I really like this. This is mm-hmm. a design challenge. I'm solving a problem through design. That's like, awesome. do I want to be an architect? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I had a friend who was an architect at the time. We chatted, and it sounded like a lot of fun. Um, so I switched my major. It took me an extra year of school, but I switched yeah. my major. All of a sudden, my grades went from, like, not great to really good. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm in the right spot. 
Was that because you enjoyed the work more or just that it made more sense to you? I think both. Okay. I think it was clicking. I was invested in it. Um, I, I don't know about you if you ever took a probability course, but that was on the industrial engineering side. Yeah. Probability is way over my head. It's, I, I never could quite it's not fun, get there yeah. mentally. Um, and so, and I also had to take physics. And not great. Um, so the other classes just clicked. You know, yeah. maybe that's the creative side of my brain that really mm-hmm. enjoyed with it or enjoyed it. So that's awesome. Yeah. What about you? How did you get into commercial real estate? Uh, that's a great accounting? question. So I'm an accountant. So I actually uh, coming out of high school. I had a couple things I wanted from college and the biggest was I wanted a job and a degree. Very important. (laughs) And I came down, I went to Bob Jones, which is a private school here in South Carolina. And I was thinking I was going to be a business major. I actually came down for a handbell competition my senior year of high school. (laughs) I knew that about you already, but that's so (laughs) random, by the way. And I love it. Yeah, I'm very good at handbells. If you ever need, you know, someone to sub in at your... Do you still play? I do. I have, I play... I used to play with a professional group and I stopped that, but have thought about going back into it. And then I randomly sub for friends that like direct choirs at churches. So, um, Diane, if you're listening to this, yes, I will sub for you next week. So, um, but yeah, I came down and was thinking I would do business cause it made the most sense to me. And then I had a friend who had a friend who was in accounting And I didn't know her at all, but she sat me down and was like, here's why you need to do accounting. It's business plus accounting. It's more challenging. If you hate it, you can go back to just business, but don't just come for just business. Come for accounting. And I was like, I love a challenge. And I got to meet an accounting professor. I checked out the program. It had like, at the time, had like a 98% placement in either a master's program or a job. And I said, that sounds good to me. I should get a job. And I came down and I just loved it. I I felt like, like you were talking about with the architecture, how things were clicking. Accounting just made sense to me. I loved all my accounting classes. Uh, I tutored accounting. I did accounting on the side. I worked like four jobs in college um, at one time, which was a little much. But um, all of them were accounting related and I loved them all. So I actually went into the program thinking that I was a little antisocial. And that I thought what accountants did was sit behind a desk all day and just work on the computer. And that I would love that. Turns out I'm not antisocial. But it also turns <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it also turns out that that's not accounting at all. And it's super people based. You're always working with teams. You're always working with clients. And so that's kind of I got my offer for Jerry Beckert my senior year. And so I've been at Jerry Beckert for nine years wow. now. So that's impressive. just a slip slide right in. And yeah. then uh, I was looking for a new challenge I got in like two years and I wasn't crying every day anymore so I was like (laughs) need something new and someone said well we're starting up the real estate and construction program we're starting to get more clients you'd have to learn all the jargon you'd have to know what's going on it'd be really new but do you want to and I said sure and that's when I got into crew that's when I got into real estate I worked with all real estate and construction clients for about five years so and you've recently joined a new team, right? I have. I so have. So tell me about that switch. Like, what did your day-to-day life look like before, and what does it look like now? Yeah, so I would say before, so I was an auditor, which no no hate to auditors. They're great. I was one for eight years, but I knew that I didn't want to do it forever. The technical side of compliance checking in, I never felt like I was adding value to my clients. What I was really good at was project management and client management and team development. And so um, that's what my day looked like. It was, 
all during the day. I'm talking with people. I'm talking with clients. I'm making sure things are working correctly. And then at night, I do the auto work. (laughs) And so I was tired of that. And I knew that I didn't want to be a partner. And that's just the natural progression when you're in a firm. And so I looked around and there was a new person that had just joined the firm to start an outsourced accounting practice, which I didn't know anything about. Um, But I joined her team because she needed someone that knew Cherry Beckert. And she's like, I'll teach you CAS, Client Accounting Services, if you help me understand what Cherry Beckert is about. So now, one, I don't work deep into the night anymore, which is fantastic. (laughs) Um, But my role took on, I'm very much sales and business development. Uh, We're growing our practice has gone from zero in signings to nine million in signings in the past year and a half. Um, And, you know, I've been on, I would say like 99% of all the sales calls related to that. And then I also do like process and practice development of how do we scale up? How do we take it from zero to 60 clients and service them and have 20 new team members and train them how to do it the right way? So I would say my days now probably at like a 60-40 split, 60 sales, 40% like process internal work, which is all really exciting to me. Are you still doing the like team leadership kind of aspect that you were doing in auditing? I mean, you're essentially like a managing yeah. person over other people, helping them to do their audits correctly and supporting them in whatever right. way. So now it sounds like you're more focused on sales, business yeah. development, How's that division working out now? Yeah, great question, Chesley, since we talked about this while we were golfing the other day. Um, (laughs) You're not supposed to let our secrets out. Yeah, I know, I know. But it is one of the things that I miss. I used to have constant teams that I would be developing. We, you know, um, as a manager in an audit practice, you're working with different seniors and staff on every project. You might get to work with some more than others because of an industry specificity or something. Um, But now I have only one person under me, and then... I don't have any of the like managers under me, but I am supposed to help direct and teach and train them. So I do get some of that development side, um, but I that's the one thing that I'm hoping to have more of in the future. Uh, but that's the great thing about our practice is we are growing. We're going to get there. And so I think it's I would say uh, two months ago, I was like 90, 10, 90% sales, 10% practice. So we're slowly pushing more of that development in there. Yeah. So. And that's the great thing I would imagine about being it's it's kind of like you guys have your own firm within a large firm. And so yeah. you can direct your role in whatever way you see fit because you're working with a small group of people. You're all strategizing together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would I would, it is very similar to that. Uh, it feels like we said it before, like we're a small company, like a startup in a really big firm. So there's pros and cons to that. The pro is that we have a lot of systems already in place. There's, a, you know, shared service teams. Like we have a marketing team that helps us. Like Dixie didn't have that when she had her own firm, my, my boss. So, um, but it is, there is some movement that we have where we can move quickly. We can innovate. We can try stuff. We actually were watching, my boss and I were watching this video from the Netflix CEO about how he leads. And he was like, he's like, there's a thousand iterations. And he said, there's times when we were growing so quickly and doing so much that we had to send stuff out that like had misspellings or errors. And he's like, and it was, it sucked. (laughs) Like we hated it. But he said, we had to put something out there in order to get to the next step and get to the next step. And that you constantly kind of have to like break your own process in the growth. So that we've been kind of, 
telling ourselves like, it's okay. Like <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that's gonna feel like it's not right. It's not perfect. We, can, we have to just try a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So how do you, so in a similar way, you have your own firm. Mm-hmm. And what was it like going from, you were at a bigger firm and then you chose to break off one, why did you make that decision? And then how has it been having your own firm? And what are those things that you still love about having your own firm? Yeah, um, I think I'm really stubborn. And that's kind of at the root of everything. I want to do things my way. I think that I'm capable. Um, and maybe that's to a fault at times. But I, I just wanted, I was getting to the point where I was I was married. We were thinking about starting a family. I wanted a like flexible lifestyle business in the sense that I could do what I loved, which was architecture. And I'm also interested in real estate. Um, and I've got some rental properties investments on the side and things like that. Um, so I could do those things and still be a mom, still be a, a wife, still go to a doctor's appointments if I needed to, not worry about vacation days, not worry about like having to be in an office at all times. Like I was just like, I'm an adult. I've got a license and skills and yeah. I feel like I could do this. Like, um, Wait, how old were you when you decided that? Oh, I don't know. Um, that was six years ago. So 32. Okay. Okay. 32, 31, somewhere in there. Um, a full grown adult. Yeah. You, <laughs> you were know? like an adult. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know at what age you reached that point, but I felt like I was at the Yeah, time. I feel like 30 is a good one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll go with that. Um, so I don't know. And, and I was also like probably getting brainwashed too, listening to a bunch of real estate, bigger pockets podcasts. I'm a big fan of bigger pockets. Big and, pockets and it's all about like, setting your what what do you want your life to look like designing mm. your life setting up your your what you do for a job to fuel the life you want and so I was just I just wanted something that looked different yeah um I wasn't planning on starting an architecture firm I I left my previous company met with uh Tara we had lunch um she's a brilliant architect and she had also left um our previous firm that's where we we got to know each other and she was like, I think I'm just going to do architecture, you know, just, just see what happens. I'm just, you know, I can do it. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do like architecture and real estate. Um, some, I don't know what that looks like. And just, you know, gonna do sh- and then we were like, should we do this together? And we we're like, huh. And so we talked through it more and, um, we we're like, yeah, let's give it a shot. I mean, why not? Worst case, we get a job. Yeah. Um, so we did and, and it's been successful, um, so far. So yeah. Yeah. I forgot the rest of the questions. I was just about. asking what you still like about having your own firm. Like, what are it's, those things that still give you It's still the flexibility um, to do what I need to do to, to get stuff done. You know, like, yeah. um, I, I design my day. If I have six meetings in a day, <laughs> I did that to myself. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't work any less hard. In fact, I probably work harder. Right. Um, but it's on my own terms. And that's, that's my favorite thing. So you have stubbornness. I also, so there's like this part of me that I can't tell if it's hubris or if it's just factual. Like, I just don't believe that I could not go out and just get another job, right? Like, if, yeah. if worse came to worse, like even when the COVID hit and people were like, what if I lose my job? I was like, I'll find another one. Yeah. Like, I love my company and I love where I work. Obviously, I've worked there nine years, but yeah. it doesn't mean that I don't think I could work anywhere else. It exactly. Means, I like, mean, you have... You have a degree, you have experience, you probably have credentials or something like CPA. that. CPA. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that's a marketable trait. And exactly. so that's when when people talk about the fear of starting their own company or the fear of doing something different, it's like, okay, look at the worst case scenario. You fall flat on your face and it <laughs> it's awful. 
Yeah. So you pick yourself back up and you either do something different or you go get a job. Yeah. Like, and unless you're in a recession where no one's hiring, chances are pretty good that you can find something. I still feel like I can. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. I know. It just, yeah. I have to find the right one. But yeah. Um, so let's talk about unique growth opportunities. Do you feel like the move to shelter was any, a unique one or have there been others in your career where you're like, this wasn't a, just a gradual up kind of line? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I feel like I've had maybe two or three. Um, the first was when I was working at Floor as a young architect um, doing industrial work there. Great company. Um, they were too busy to micromanage me. So mm-hmm. they were just like, you're an architect, here's a project, do it. And I love that. I yeah. love the challenge of jumping in, figuring it out, coordinating with engineers and performing at a high level. Um, and I feel like I did well there. I saw a ton of personal growth in the time period I was there. Um, they also challenged me to do public speaking. Um, I had to speak, I had to give a presentation to a room of 75 engineers, which for me at the time, that was huge. Yeah. And I was so nervous about it, but I prepared like Mm -hmm. multiple weeks in advance and I did what I thought was a great job. I I left that feeling very proud of how I did. And I was like, man, for being so scared, I feel like I killed it. That was awesome. (laughs) Um, so when I, I, the only reason I left there was because they like to send you all over the country. Um, because their jobs are all over the country right. and I had just gotten married and I was like, I can do project management, um, anywhere. Uh, so mm-hmm. I went to my next firm. Um, so I feel like that was a, a big personal growth opportunity yeah. there. Um, and then shelter. Yeah. It's been a huge, huge growth opportunity because you're, you're learning how to provide value to clients. Um, you learn as you grow how to manage staff and what they, keeping them happy and mm-hmm. providing for what they need. Yeah. Um, and I've just learned a lot about business, too. I mean, I'm an architect. I'm not a business major. I don't have an MBA, though. I wish I did. Um, you know, and that has been – it's been awesome looking back on where we were and where we are. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we've been very strategic over the past six, now almost seven years of, like – at first we took any project we could get because we needed to establish a reputation, get some money coming in, um, and just get our name out there. And so it was very volume based and transactional and just like churn and burn as quickly as we could. Yeah. Um, as we've grown, we've been more strategic about what projects we take in certain areas because we want to try to grow in those sectors. Those projects are generally longer, bigger, have better fees, Mm -hmm. can support the firm better. And you're not so stressed because you're not churning and burning as quickly as possible. Um, and I feel like that's worked really well for us. We've been, we've done a good job with it. And I feel like there was a big, like moment about like two years ago where everyone like that where it was starting to work and everyone felt it and everyone felt like a um, relief from the churn and burn and was just like, okay, this is good. Um, And I'll say too, I obviously don't know much about architecture, so it's hard for me to say I'm impressed with you as an architect, although I'm sure I would be, but I'm always impressed when we talk together about how you are as a business person, about how you run your business and how you think about business and also how you are constantly thinking and trying to innovate and change and get better and ask someone else, like, what do they do? What do they do different? Like, what could you do different? I think that's like a really good sign of someone who should run their own business. Oh, thanks. That's awesome. You never said that to me. Well, I have thought it for a long time. So <laughs> I apologize awesome. for not telling you earlier. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, no, and same for you. I've always been impressed at how just driven you are and how committed you also are to Cherry Bucker. And, you know, like 
I'm so committed. <laughs> you went to India for them, and you've made this big switch now to developing and starting a new company for them, and a, gro- a growth from what zero to nine million. <laughs> I mean, that's significant. Um, so props to you as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, that was a huge like. You were here for it, the jump from auditing to something new. And this podcast was a huge part of that. That's right. I I had a similar thing when I first started where we were growing so quickly in the Greenville office that by, you know, 11 months in, they're like, go lead your own jobs because you have to (laughs) and ask us if you need help. And I was terrified. But that trial by fire sometimes gives you the most power over what you're doing. You kind of, I started to feel like I had some ability to control what happened in my day. And that was really, really important to me. And so it was really hard then, you know, down the road when I felt like I, I knew what I was doing. Like I was really good at my job as an auditor and the partners wanted me to be a partner. And for me to look at that and say, I'm not really happy doing that. I want to do something else was really difficult. And then- it's counterintuitive, right? Like, yeah. I've, I have always said that a huge part of how I've been good at my job is to see where there's a need and then I fill it and I do it really well. And so to say, I'm going to go someplace where I don't really know the need or I don't really know the people where I've built all these relationships for eight years and while they'll still be here and I'll still be in the same company, I don't report to them anymore, was very difficult and scary for me. Um, and I'm very, very lucky to have been doing the podcast at the right time to have Ramona Farrell be like, well, you can take a risk and it's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> um, and then have the right, you know, the right person come along. And I'll say this, like I... Um, love my new boss. And I, we are at a point now, I I started in October of 2021. I trust her so much. And I feel like she trusts me. We had to travel together all summer on our road show. And so like, I feel like there's been such a jump in my career growth and the skills I've gained in the past year that I never would have gotten if I had just stuck in on it. Yeah, that's right. So it's taking a risk and then look at all this upside that you've got because of it. Yeah, I would encourage anyone to literally take a risk because there's so much upside. And like we talked about before, like we have skills, we have credentials. The worst that could happen is I just really sucked. Like what if I just really sucked at it? Yeah. (laughs) And I would have just gone out and I could have always gone back to audit. Right. Right. I had a great fallback plan that I would never go back to now. Yeah. No, but it's just awesome. You don't know what's in store for you until you Correct. take that, that first step. 100%. And so, yeah, it's it's a risk to take that first step. But, like, I mean, like, I never envisioned starting an architecture company, much, much less being here now, Yeah. seven of us. And, right. And, you know, like, and do, like having this lifestyle that I want that I designed, essentially, like, mm-hmm. you know, but it took that first step. And then you take the next one, and then you take the next yes. one. And you just don't know. Because we've talked about that before, too, because it's really hard to set a goal that's like, well, in X number of years, I want to be doing exactly X. And then to make that happen, because I feel like I would be limiting myself. I could not. I'm not super imaginative. I'm not as creative as you, but I couldn't have imagined this for myself. But it is more like looking at, okay, what life do I want? Is this going to get me there? This isn't? Well, I should try something else then and kind of throw yourself into that. And really thinking about what you want from life is takes some additional thought. Yeah. Someone asked me one time, they're like, well, what makes you happy in your job? 
I don't know. (laughs) Um, And I feel like I have a better answer now after having moved and having to talk to someone about like, what did I want my job to look like? So I think risks also help you become more self-aware of what. How did you figure that out? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, there's like so many. I feel like, so I've done the thing where you like write down what you do all day and like say what like brings you the most joy and then there's also just the fact of there's some part of me that when I'm good at something I like it and I have to kind of separate that and say like okay what if I just wasn't like crushing this (laughs) (laughs) what I still find joy in this work um so yeah I I found that a huge portion of my happiness revolves around the people that I get to interact with and that to me is like the biggest point Um, I could be doing stuff in Excel or stuff with technology or things with accounting and those bring me joy in their own ways. But if I wasn't doing it with people that I enjoyed or that I felt like I was able to develop or that taught me something, I wouldn't be enjoying myself. Which is kind of opposite of what you first thought doing in accounting. Isn't that funny? I mean, that in itself is like you know, taking a risk and all of a sudden you found something different than what you thought originally. I'm so glad I was wrong about accounting. I would have been miserable if it was just like sitting at a computer all day. Yeah. So. Yeah, not for you. Well, um, so with your new role, like what Mm -hmm. would you say is the most challenging part Mm -hmm. of your job and the most rewarding part? Yeah, Mm, that's a great question. And I'm... Actually, my fiance makes fun of me for saying that all the time. His his um, imitation of me always starts with, hmm, that's a really great question. <laughs> Basically, you're buying yourself time to be able to think of an answer. But it is a really great question. And I should have thought of this before because we wrote these questions. Um, the most challenging part is also the best part. It's that every day is completely new. Uh, The second I feel like I understand more about outsourced accounting or about what uh, our team can do or about what software we're using, it changes. There's something new that has come out. There's some new way that we should be pitching it to our customers. Like our clients are finding, well, because we're also in customer service, like client service. So our clients are coming to us with new problems every day. And so it's this constant like on on the run, like changing things and trying to push things out. But I have been in a spot where I can get really efficient and I can plan out all the processes and I get super bored and I eventually don't love it anymore. And so I think being willing to accept new and challenging things constantly every day, it does get tiring. But then I have to sit back and be like, I wouldn't love it if it wasn't this. Right, you're problem solving. Yeah, I do like problem solving. And we've been talking about it. Like when we're in a sales call, we call it a discovery call. We're like asking our our clients what they want with their business. Like what is currently impacting them? What, what, what would their ideal be? And a lot of times they're like, I want to get out of it. Like I don't want to be in the numbers. I don't want to be in accounting. Or they're like, I want to be able to really have the numbers change how my business works. And so we call it that we're designing business solutions yeah. rather than just saying like, well, we're selling you a product. We're not. We're selling you solutions to your problems. And that is much more fun for me. It makes it interesting and exciting. Yeah, it's strategy. I mean, yes. it's taking the data, interpreting it, and providing counsel or advice. Yeah. Like, yeah. So uh, what is the most challenging part of your job? Ooh, um 
right now it is I'm struggling finding time for deep work. Mm. Um, and I'm reading Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, to hopefully try to help with that. Okay, so what is what is deep work? Just to make sure we're on the same page. I feel yeah. like I kind of know it contextually, but... Yeah, so deep work is when you get in that, like, state of flow. When you're you're doing a task or, you know, you're writing something, yeah. you're designing something or whatever, you have time to, like, really get in and focus on it. And there's a lot of distraction right now, especially as a business owner. You know, it, it's... I describe it as, like shallow broad task and like deep task yeah. and so I'm still doing project work um, a little bit and I, I struggle with that like business level which are shallow not in a bad way but just right. you know like don't require as deep of thought you know we're writing proposals we're meeting people we're having coffee with key people that we want to get to know better you know um, doing staffing you know all the business operations kind of things that are kind of up here on this broad level and then trying to do a project here at this deep level and so mm. switching back and forth is very challenging um, mentally because it's hard to get into that state of flow yeah um, and finding the time also to get into that state of flow and get stuff done and get it done well. I think that like as a business owner, that's what I'm struggling with. I struggle with that like during the day. I feel like the day ends up being taken up with so much like of the soft skills. Like I need to talk with this person. I need to have this call and we have a meeting and it's back to back and like my schedule tomorrow is a nightmare. I think I have like 10 back to back 30 minute meetings. so then it's like only early in the morning or only late at night can I get into that flow state. And so. But you also now are engaged. Yeah. And you're about to be married in what? Yeah, like and how I many get, days? Eight. Yeah, exactly. Eight days I get married. So that nighttime yes. is not really going to be available. It's not because the 530 hits and my brain is like, I got other things going on. Right. And unless I choose to get back into it and then I struggle because I'm like I didn't really want to do this if I don't have a very clear clear task that I needed to get done even if I try and like open my computer on like a Saturday I'm like I don't remember why I'm here and I shut it (laughs) push it away yeah so I I feel that pain and I've I've been trying to read books on like not time management because I feel like we all kind of get overloaded with time management but how do you block out time and actually use it for the thing. I think that's it. You I, it that's what I'm experimenting right now is having certain days that are my office mm. days and I don't have meetings on those days strategically so that I can do the drawings, do whatever thing that I need to focus on yeah. that day. And it's like working okay so far. I, my issue is I break my own rules. Where yes. I'm like, yeah. my day is blocked. I'm like, this, but this person can't meet except for that day. And I'm like, okay, I'll give you that one time slot. And then yeah. I give away two time slots. And then before you know it, my office day is yeah, no longer exactly. Um, so I, that's my fault and I need to, to work on that. But, but that's kind of what I'm exploring right now to, to help with that. I want to do that. I've talked about it a couple times with Dixie. Our problem is that every partner in the firm, and there's like over 400 partners, feels like they have access to us and can put stuff on our calendar if they have a potential client, which is great. I mean, like it's so amazing to not have to do like any kind of cold calling. It's always a partner being like, hey, I have a current tax client. They need help. Can you help them? And we can come in and like really add value. Um, But even if I set aside days, like even when I, I have like time blocked out of my calendar for like an actual like in-person training and people are putting 30 minute meetings on my schedule. It's like, yeah, I have to start policing that. (laughs) 
pew, pew, pew. That's when we got our admin for her to police our schedules. But she's like, you have to give me access to your calendar for me to police it. Step one. <laughs> so yeah, she can now, she has control of my calendar. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think days are almost better than like an afternoon or a morning to really get into focus. I don't know. I've, I've found I can just get a ton done if I have the day um, to actually. Oh, I, I love those days when I actually get work done. Yeah, because then you feel so good. You're like, I feel oh, that was so really good. productive. I'm now like somewhat caught up. Like, yeah, yeah life is good. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'd say like the most rewarding aspect of the job. I don't know if you asked that question, but I think I didn't. But part. I want you to, to answer it now. Um, is just getting to know our staff and understanding like what they want and helping plug them mm. into like a project that's going to make them happy or challenge them or, you know, make yeah. them feel fulfilled. Um, and then to see them do really well with it and love it. And, you know, it's like championing them, like, but it's just, it's it, a great feeling. It's like, I love finding people's strengths. Yeah. Like that is the best thing is to be able to plug them in to the thing that would, make them feel the best yeah it's yeah it's just an awesome feeling love it well um so you mentioned Ramona mm-hmm. in our podcast with her yeah um she has been like a unofficial mentor to me um what about you like who are your mentors and what's that yeah. been like I've had a bunch of great mentors and I think they would, I think we've had a couple guests on here that have been like, ah, it can be super informal or it can be really official. And I think most of mine started informal and I have very close relationships. So my first one, I feel like was in college, one of my professors uh, really worked to mentor me to make sure that I was the most successful that I could be. And a huge part of that was me reaching out to him and meeting with him. But then he was happy to go the extra mile for me. I ended up actually working for him my senior year of college because he had uh, he did like part time CFO and he asked me to come on as like the bookkeeper. And it was like a company was doing like a million dollars in business. And they handed me two receipts and a bank statement. And they're like, can you help us? They've been in business for a year. And so that was actually not really come full circle because that was basically me doing outsourced accounting without being outsourced. Um, But I built their accounting system from that. And, you know, he helped me really think through what was important for them as a business so that as I was creating really low level transactions and just making sure the books were clean, I was thinking about it on a higher level. We were thinking about higher projects. Since they were a kid's clothing company, we were looking at inventory. They had no way to say how much it cost them to make anything. They didn't have any kind of like labor cost thoughts. Like none of that was recorded any way that they could track it. Nothing about how, like what they were like shipping in like the base clothes from China, I think, but they couldn't put it by piece. So anyways, all that kind of stuff we did to help break out and give additional analysis was super interesting. And he was a huge part of helping me when I first got my offer at Cherry Beckard, I took it to him. I was disappointed when I got the offer, actually. I really? wanted I wanted to work at Big Four, uh, which would have crushed me. I, like I, I either would have come become like a corporate robot or I would have just been working like 90 hours and burnout. But um, he was the one who told me, he's like, no, this is a great offer. He's like, this is, 
He's like, you would get the same money at a big four and you'd work twice as much. And I said, oh, okay. (laughs) So that was his really big moment in my career. And then um, at Cherry Beckert, the partner that I ended up working with for eight years in audit, Aaron Paris, was one of the best people I know. Like, I just cannot say enough good things about him. Um, he, I watched him. He became partner while I was there. I think I was a senior when he became a partner. And he went to this emotional intelligence training course. The first meal I had with Aaron Paris, he sat across from me. We, it was like one of the first clients I worked on. He opened the newspaper between us. What? <laughs> and we never spoke. <laughs> And was so, this a planned meeting? No, no, it was just okay, like, we okay. happened to be at a client. They had like a little cafe on site. We just went down to get lunch and I, we like at our, ate our lunches in silence and he had his newspaper. And so I watched, when he became a partner, he went to an emotional intelligence training. And when he came back, like I walked in and I said, hi, Aaron, what'd you learn? And he said, okay, here's what I learned. And we talked through what he'd learned. And that, I feel like that conversation built the rest of our relationship to where, one, I watched him grow, which I think there's something really fantastic about watching your leadership develop and grow themselves. Mm -hmm. It gives you this confidence that they could do the same for you or that you could do the same for yourself. And so I watched him grow into someone that people trusted, that they wanted to go talk to. And I've spent hours in that man's office just talking about whether it's a project or it's about my life or about his life or what he's thinking about the firm or what I'm thinking about the firm. He was really pivotal for my career and helped me think through things. And there was a couple times that he's given me some real key advice that sticks in my head still that helped me move to the next the next thing. And even when I wanted to leave his team and go to something else, he did everything he could to make sure that he made that possible, that it was a smooth and easy transition. And so cannot have enough like gratitude for him. And then now I would say Dixie. Uh, Dixie is a leader in our industry. She teaches workshops. She's part of the AICPA. Like she knows everybody. And she is so happy to give advice, to develop me. I mean, we had a discussion the other night where she's reading a book about generational differences. And she's like, I understand now why it's so important for you, for me to tell you expectations. Like you need to know the expectations so you can knock it out of the park. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so she is working really hard on like being a good boss, but also talking me through what she sees for my future. And it's stuff that I never would have dreamed of or imagined, but she's thinking about it for me. And that has been great for me. That's awesome. So really good mentors. What about you? Yeah, I, I don't have like a formal mentor. And these people that I'm about to talk about don't even know that I consider <laughs> them my mentor. But there's two women um, through crew that I've just been so impressed with um, and just I respect them immensely and would, you know, really listen intently on whatever advice they have to give me. Um, mm-hmm. And they regularly give advice and we regularly bounce ideas off each other. Um, the first one is Christina Moyer. She so great. is so wonderful. And she asks the most like intelligent questions. Like out of anyone I know, she's the best question asker, if that's a way to put it. Um, and when she asks, whenever she asks me a question, I'm like, Oh, that's a good way to think about that. Yeah, you're so right. Or, you know, like, or wow, that really changed how I was thinking about it. Yeah. Um, 
we have similar interests and in that she's very big on lifestyle design, as you know, from our, our interview with her. Mm. Um, and just, I want to be her when I grow up. I mean, that yeah. would be amazing. Um, the second one is Ramona Farrell. Um, and she actually did a little bit of business consulting for shelter. Um, and I got to know her through that capacity. And I feel like she's always got my back and is always checking in and championing me and, and also asking good questions and, um, you know, challenging me like mm-hmm. if I have certain notions of like well this is this way and this is why I think it's this way and she's like well what if it's this way you know I just <laughs> she has a different way yeah. of, of presenting information and not accepting my answers sometimes if it's bs um not that it's always bs but you it's know. most of the time <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I just respect both of those women immensely and, and they've really been big, um, recently. Like I, I feel like the past year has been very like introspective and trying to, to think about like what I want to be doing within the company, how we want to grow the company. And mm-hmm. they've been like, both of them have been brilliant sounding boards. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So what advice do you have for someone that would be interested in commercial real estate or architecture? That's a great question. <laughs> Isn't it a great question? Um, what advice? Yeah, I mean, I think it for me, and, and everything comes back to this. I think it comes down to lifestyle design. Like, it, so it's, is that what you want to do? You know, mm-hmm. like, can you identify what you like, what you don't like? And for me, it took. There's these moments I've had in my life, and there's only been about three of them. Um, they're very rare. Where you're kind of like out from your normal routine. You're almost bored and your brain, when you become bored, your brain kind of floats Mm -hmm. and it starts like coming up with all these ideas and things that you want to be doing. Things get clear and you're like, well, why am I doing this? Like I should be doing this or I really like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it's important to take that time to really think about what you like, what you don't like, where you want to be. And, and then at that point it's like, go talk to people that are doing what you want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, listen to podcasts, like be a lifetime learner, go seek out those, those people who have that information. Um, because that opens up so many doors. Like it's not necessarily that you're looking to gain every little ounce of wisdom that that person has. Like it could just be a connection to someone Mm -hmm. else. Um, you know, I know you and then now you know these people and I'm talking to you about an issue and you can now connect me with someone that I need to help solve a problem. Yeah. I mean, so much about life is like networking and relationships and, and things like that. So I would just, I don't know. Do I, how do I summarize that? Be intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think I would almost say that mine is similar in that one, I would always flash back to like the lifetime learning aspect. Like we, I feel like we heard a lot of in season one. And then I think it's also the idea, um, especially in commercial real estate, you have to take some ownership of what your career is going to look like. I mean now, and that's not to say that I don't have a lot of great people to, you know, give credit to, or that I relied on or that support me in my career. But at some point I should be the one that cares the most about my career. And I think you have to have that kind of a drive and that kind of an interest in order to make that successful. Yeah, absolutely. No one's going to do it for you. They shouldn't. No, (laughs) no, it's not possible. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Um, 
And now I'm going to ask you first, so I don't have to answer first. What's the best advice you've ever received? Advice. Um, I don't know if this is like, I mean, it is advice, but my favorite quote right now is uh, by James Clear from Atomic Habits. And it's, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. Mm. And he, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Do I need to repeat that? <laughs> we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. Right. And so the wow. summary of it is basically like whatever's not systematized, like doesn't happen. Um, and so that's how I've tried to think about things um, recently. Wow. Is that your engineering background coming back? Probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I read, I read his book or I listened to it on tape and um, I was like, yes, that is so true because I struggle immensely with discipline like mm-hmm. you know I, I started working out in August and I don't know like it's like a switch flip for me in terms of discipline being able to repeatedly do things yeah. and consistency it's huge and whatever goal you have is it, it's, it's consistency slash developing a system that works yeah um so I'd say like that's probably been the most powerful bit of yeah. advice is like try to think about things in terms of systems and making sure there's like not a weak link in your system right is it bad that I'm considering reading Atomic Habits on my honeymoon? Because we're going to be like traveling to Barcelona, <laughs> and so it's going to be like a long flight. I don't think for you that's bad. I feel like I'm definitely going to bring a fun book. I think you get enjoyment out of it. I probably would. So I, yeah. it's it's on my bookshelf. I've had it for probably like three months, and so this is going to be since I have like literally after next. Wednesday I'm not working for the rest of the month of January into the first week of February nice. so so yeah so I I think I that I'm glad you said it because it's now pushed to the top of my books yeah. to read oh I got another one yes um my other favorite quote is make a life not just a living okay I like that too yeah because that's your whole thing yeah making so, a life what about you um so this is dumb but it's one of those ones that um, it sticks with me and I think about it all the time and it's really helped me in my career and it's from a movie. <laughs> it's from a rom-com. <laughs> okay. And uh, Tony Shalhoub plays this psychiatrist. He like literally has like one cameo and Reese Witherspoon's character comes in and she doesn't want to go to therapy and she ends Wait, up... What, what movie is It's it? called How Do You Know? Okay. It's got Paul Rudd and oh, yeah, and yeah. Rachel So she walks in, she's feeling unmoored, and she's like, "Wait, I can't do this. It's not like I, I can't do therapy. I, um, whatever." And she walks out, and then she walks back in, and she says, "If you had a general piece of advice for anyone going through any situation, <laughs> what would you say?" Yeah. And he said, "Figure out what you want and learn how to ask for it." Oh. And she said, "That's really hard." And he said, yeah, but you walked in here and that was hard. So I think you can do this too. <laughs> and so I constantly think about figure out what you want and learn how to ask for it. Because I think there's a lot that comes into that, figuring out what you want. Like, do I want something that makes me happy? Do I want something that gives me more flexibility? Like, what do I want? And then to have the courage to then say, okay, I, I want that. How do I get that? So. Well, and asking for it is huge huge like I think as women we don't do that a lot you know we're like afraid to or you know just I I don't know we just don't yeah I do think people struggle with it I don't know why maybe it's because I watched that movie when I was like in really formative years in like my early 20s but I feel like that's one of the things that has been really great about 
me and my career is that I'm more than happy to walk in and say, hey, here's what I'm looking for. I think I could get it this way. One, do you think that's the right way? And two, can I have that? Yeah. <laughs> and have met with mostly people being like, wow, I'm really glad you asked me that. Yeah. I'm really glad we can have this discussion. And sometimes it works out the way that I think it's going to. And sometimes it, it takes a slightly different direction. But um, I'm but always very confident in it. It's huge. Like, because if, like, as a business owner, if I don't know what my employees want or what their goals are or things like that, like, how do I give that to them? Yeah. If they don't tell me, if they don't ask, like, it's the same for you. Like, yeah. Well, and it's also sometimes what I want is for the people under me to tell me what they're thinking. And so I have to learn how to ask for that, too, to say not just like, oh, I was thinking about it and I think I know what you want me to do for you, but to say, are you doing what you like? Like, what would you like better? How can I support you? And so um, I what think. Do you hate? <laughs> what do you not want to do anymore? Isn't of? it so interesting? Because I feel like when someone asks me what I hate, I have like an immediate thing in my mind that's like, if I never had to do that again, if I never had to build time again. All right. Do we want to do our rapid fire questions? And then, well, or do we want to talk about our favorite episodes or the things What's we've the enjoyed? Rapid fire, real quick. Okay. Make it rapid. What do you like to do for fun? Travel. I also like to travel and I love, I love going out to eat and things that involve like food and wine. I also love playing golf. I also love playing golf and I also love making cocktails. Yes. And you're very good at that. It's so fun. All right. Yeah. Where, where is your favorite place to travel? Um, Paris. I Why? get this ultra personality when I like, it's like this filter comes over me when I get there and I, I think I'm French. I think I could speak French oh. and all I want to do is like sit at the cafes and drink coffee and I could totally live that lifestyle. Now I want to go to Paris because I just want that to be me because I always want to just like feel like I live at a place. Yeah. It's so weird. Every single time I go, this filter comes right over. <laughs> yeah. I can't explain it. And I, I can't speak French. So Chazelet. it is Chazelet. <laughs> What's your favorite book or podcast? Um, this podcast. Um, yeah. No, I actually, we have talked about this. I love Armchair Expert. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite. I was listening to the Anna Kendrick episode yesterday. Cried. It's so good. Really? You okay. should listen to it. it. Yeah. It's so, so good. So I just, I love their vulnerability. I love the way they talk about things. I love their humor. It is my to-go podcast when I'm traveling when I just need something to distract me whatever yeah what about you favorite book is probably rich, rich dad poor dad I mean it's a classic real estate book but it really changed like how I thought about investing and yeah. things like that so that was huge um favorite podcast I'm struggling right now with that like I I'm a huge podcast listener but I am not finding one right now that I love mm -hmm. like going through a bunch of different ones so Nothing, nothing at the moment there. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, current TV show that you're binge watching? So last night I watched um, a show called Clarkson's Farm. Yeah. So you remember Jer Jeremy Clarkson from uh, Grand Tour? And he's like the three British guys and they like race race cars and stuff yes, like that. Yes, yes. Um, so Stephen and I started watching Clarkson's Farm last night. He owns like a thousand acre farm <laughs> and he's now no longer recording like auto stuff on TV. And he's like his and his farmer that farmed all of these thousand acres retired. Oh so gosh. he's like, I'll just do it. And so he's learning oh how to my be a goodness. farmer. I'm only into episode one last night, but I really enjoyed <laughs> That's it. so fantastic. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What about you? Um, so I have already seen it, 
but we're rewatching it for Alex, a Peaky Blinders. Oh, because I, like I I loved Peaky Blinders. Um, I love a good character arc. Uh, it's one of my favorites. We're also, like my comfort TV show to binge watch is actually Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat oh, by yeah. Samin, and oh, it's yeah. it's like so comforting to me. I'll just put it on at night just will- to be like, I love watching her travel around Italy and yeah. be so excited by food. I need to watch that one more. My favorite all-time one is The Americans. Oh, I actually have watched like three or four seasons of that. And then it was like it needed more to come out and I couldn't Mm -hmm. binge anymore. Mm -hmm. I need to get back into it because I loved The Americans. It was so good. Yeah. Um, Ooh, favorite restaurant in Green Book. Okay. Um, I think it's, for me, it's the Anchorage. Yeah. Every every time I go, I get the tasting menu. Yep. because I don't want to choose what they're going to bring me to eat. Because yes. if I had to choose, I would choose something super simple and, and expected and things like that. And like, because I, I would be like, oh, it sounds scary. It's probably going to be disgusting. Yes. That's not the case. I mean, it's everything the they case. bring is amazing. And I love that I don't have to pick it. And they just was like, here's the course. Yes. It's all laid out. And it's, I've never had a bad meal there yeah it's just delicious I love spots that do that there's something about not having to make a choice at a restaurant that is so it feels so fancy yeah I feel so relaxed yeah (laughs) and then you drink wine with it I mean and it's It's fantastic they do a really good job I did one of my we do a birthday meal every year with me and my three friends and so we, we that's basically our gift to each other is that the four of us got to eat on whoever's birthday it is and then everyone else pays. And so it's oh, just nice. like a way for us so all to nice. get together on our birthdays. And yet it's like a fun tradition. We always get to pick a place. So Anchorage was mine one year. And yeah. We had the chef's tasting and it was mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. So what would yours be now? Yeah. So, um, so it's hard because I have two that really rise to the top. Gianna downtown is just like my favorite date night place with Alex. We'd love to just go there and try something new. They always have fun, like appetizers. He loves octopus. Interesting. I know. He was like eating it. He's like, this has been my favorite food since I was eight. And I was like, you grew up richer than me. Like, I know that. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure the first time I had octopus was here at Gianna. <laughs> but then my other one, similar to Anchorage, is Topsoil up in Traveler's Rest. It is just, I feel like every time I go there, it's a slightly different experience. I always like to either get a tasting menu if they have it on Sundays or get something that I never would have thought to get. They're so creative. They're so fun. I'm having my reception for my wedding there. Like, I just, I can't say enough good things about that restaurant. Yeah, I've been once. I need to go back. We don't go to TR very often, but. We should go for one. They do Saturday wine tastings. The first Saturday of every month they do a one and they do two bites, like two like paired bites. Mm -hmm. And their um, sommelier, Lisa, is fantastic. And she always picks really fun things. So we should go do that. Yeah. We could do a double date. That's true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. All All right. right. So. Given that this is our last episode, I've loved that we've learned more about each other. I know. It's been great. Some of which I already knew, but some I didn't. Um, I mean, what did, what do you think about, we've done two seasons now, eight episodes per season. Um, so 16 people, 15 if you mix yeah. us out. I mean, what have you learned from all the people that we've talked to? I love this podcast and I for a similar reason that I love crew and it's that we get to talk to such amazing women 
like that they're in our circle and that we know them mm-hmm. and have access to talk to them is so fantastic. I feel like every person, we see things that are similar about everyone, right? Like we've got a lot of people that are clearly successful in their lifetime learners and they have thoughts for what they want their lives to look like. They're very intentional and yet they're all a little bit different. And so I feel like it's been really fun to watch different personalities across the table from us and maybe even to have someone come in and be like, oh, I was kind of nervous. This is in a studio. Yeah, <laughs> and then by yeah. the end, we're like laughing and sharing stories. Um, so, yeah, I just feel like we've had such amazing guests. And it's I feel like I end each episode thinking, oh, what a fantastic episode. It was so fun to get to talk to them for an hour. And we've talked about this. We should just invite them for lunch. Like we if, if we've started to do that, <laughs> and we have, because there's this thought of like, why would we wait until we can get into a studio to ask them yeah. questions and get to know them? And I feel like I've gained way more from this podcast than they they yeah. have, right? Like, I definitely feel that way. I feel I feel like it's been a conduit, like or an easy end to be able to talk to these people to like gleam a little bit of like wisdom from them. Yeah. Um, but then it's open doors, um, you know, I mean, it inspired your Yeah, it inspired change. my career change. And I feel like I know some of, well, now it's nice when we go to crew events and I'd be like, Meg! Yeah. <laughs> or Casey or whoever, like, there's yeah. been a couple that I didn't know very well and now I feel really comfortable with them. That's been awesome. Agreed. Yeah. So, do we say what our, our plans are? Yeah, we might as well. So we're moving to an in-person. So the reason we came to podcast was it was 2020 and we were in COVID. And so now we're coming out of COVID and we can have in-person events and we want to be able to have it be uh, an in-person interactive type of format. So it'll still be interview, but... And just like we got that conduit directly to our guests, you know, or that, you know, we we're sitting in front of them being able to ask some questions like people in our audience will be able to to go up and, and ask our guests questions mm-hmm. after the show or during it. Um, so it's going to be a much easier format if you're looking for like a mentor or just like, you know, advice on a situation to right. have a direct access like up to that person. And we'll get to drink wine. Yeah. Which always makes things a lot more fun. Yeah. Should we have brought wine to this? Oh, we should have. <laughs> it is 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so maybe not. <laughs> I do have to go back to the office, but yeah. Same. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, well, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for being my co-host. It took a lot to convince you it to do it. It did take a lot to convince Sam. But so I knew glad you did. <laughs> that it would be perfect. So thank you. It was definitely a team effort. And thank you to Prong Studios yes. for all this production that they've done for us. It's been fantastic. Yeah, John and team have been awesome. If you guys need any podcasting or video production resources, definitely look out and reach out to them because they're amazing. Yep. So... All right. Well, uh, we'll see you guys um, at the live show coming up first quarter of this year. The Candidly Crew podcast is sponsored by Truist. Truist is proud to be the 2022 Marble sponsor for Crew Upstate and the sponsor of this podcast series. Truist teammates are driven by a common purpose, to inspire and build better lives and communities. They strive every day to make things better for their clients teammates, and stakeholders. Truist envisions a world with equal access to economic opportunities. Truist proudly supports the mission of Crew to transform the commercial real estate industry by advancing women globally. Crew Upstate's truest contact is Michelle Dodge, SVP. She can be reached at michelle.dodge at truest.com.